Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. When I was five years old, we lived in the small town of Richmond, Texas. Richmond had a bad history of racism and division, and so I attended an experimental kindergarten at a local public school, Jane Long Elementary. The students in the class represented various groups of the community. There were four white children, four African-American children, four children from families who spoke Spanish, and four children from other socioeconomic backgrounds. The school district wanted to observe whether or not the children could get along, even though portions of the society around us did not. The real question was whether our common humanity could be seen as something greater than the constraints that society puts upon us. Our teacher was fantastic. And because of the amazing diversity, as a five-year-old, there was so much to be learned. I didn't know as a five-year-old that it was even possible for one of my classmates to live with their grandparents instead of their parents. Also, another classmate's family, I learned, didn't have a telephone at home. Another could barely speak English, but that was really cool because that meant we got to speak Spanish in class. And yet another student was from a family who had just arrived from Vietnam. The class was constructed to be so diverse that the school district firmly believed there was no way that these children were going to get along. And yet, by the leadership of our teacher, we got along so well that she told our parents These children appreciate each other's differences and hold them as special. The differences don't divide them, they unite them. In 1977 America, people still questioned whether school children of different backgrounds could not only coexist, but actually thrive in such a blended environment. Yet, This scenario still seems to play out at times nowadays. Just read the news. There are stories every day. And there's no question at all that no one thought in Jesus' time that people with such differences could coexist in any blended sort of way at all. It was unthinkable. Today, Jesus is in the north. He's near Tyre and Sidon. This is as far north as Jesus ever went in his lifetime. It's outside of the land of Israel in present-day Lebanon. And there he encounters a woman whose child is severely afflicted. The woman begs Jesus for healing. But Jesus responds in a pretty rude manner. He wants no part of the woman's request. Rather, he kind of throws it all back in her face. And the woman talks back. And when she does, Jesus realizes that he is limiting his thoughts. 
The kingdom of God is indeed bigger than he imagines. And in the kingdom of God, even people who are non-Jews, who live in foreign lands, and yes, even women and children, these two classes of people that human history has neglected or ignored, that yes, even women and children deserve to be full participants in the kingdom of God. In this unique encounter, we see Jesus actually learning something new. We realize that Jesus sees the kingdom of God for the very first time in, in, in an expansive way, in something that's actually bigger than he himself even imagines it to be. The kingdom doesn't just exist for his own people, but rather the kingdom of God exists for all people in every culture everywhere. And while Jesus' proclamation of the kingdom of God was spread, we know this from by his disciples. It was spread to all the corners of the earth, to all of the known world. We can still recall stories in the church's history that expose all kinds of things. The mistreatment of non-Christians, especially Jews. We recall things like atrocities committed in the Middle Ages during the Crusades, all in the name of Christ. Even we encounter, we remember the extended wars, the religious wars between Catholics and Protestants that extended well into this century. And sadly, even in the ways that we recall that we recall almost every week being told by Jesus to feed the hungry, clothe the naked, comfort the brokenhearted, bless the dying, and to visit the sick and those in prison. And we have evidence right here on our very campus this very day that we as Christians and we as a society are absolutely not doing this. I invite you after church today to take a look at a picture in our art gallery. There you're going to find, over in the corner, a very simple drawing divided into two parts. On the right side of the drawing is a cage full of dogs at an animal shelter, presumably. Abandoned animals living in a shelter in air conditioning and the temperature is nice and cool. On the other side of the drawing, on the left-hand side, there's an inmate at Perryville Prison, where it's an Arizona summer, and this prisoner is roasting in a room that surpasses 118 degrees in the summertime. The panel on the right with the dogs is labeled Humane Society. The, the panel on the left is labeled Department of Corrections Society. The caged dogs have it oh so good. The prisoners, not so much. Have we as a so-called Christian society seen the gospel, seen the kingdom of God proclaimed upon this prison? No, we have not. And the behavior of some in society have not only ignored the plight of the prisoners, 
they've advocated for them to have even poorer living conditions than they currently have. This, my friends, is a real clear example of how we continue to limit our sight of who's part of God's kingdom. This is one of hundreds of examples that you and I can think of of how our collective Christian consciousness at times openly ignores the call that the kingdom of God has on us and our hearts. Yes, it hurts to think about this. Yes, it compels us to do something. And yes, we have absolutely every reason to believe that we can actually do something about it as well, about every challenge that we see in life. The good news today is that the kingdom of God is actually bigger than we think it is. It is far more expansive than any human mind, even Jesus' mind, more expansive than what we can conceive of, and there's always more room to grow. And that's where we come in. Next Sunday is the start of our centennial year, a year-long celebration and of a year-long of, of celebration Thanksgiving, but it's also a significant season for self-reflection. When we look at our history, the founders of Trinity Cathedral had an expansive vision for themselves and for our community and prosperity for the city. But the question is, was it the same as ours? And I'd have to tell you, it absolutely is not. It is not. However, it doesn't mean that their desire to bring goodness and abundance of life into this ever-growing city was, in fact, an insincere desire. It, in fact, it was very real to them. And we have a sincere desire as well. And our sincere desire to live into our own mission compels us to ask the tough questions about ourselves, about how we might be limiting our own view of inclusion, how we might be blinded by a little bit of self-congratulatory behavior, instead of sincerely asking with an open heart to help us proclaim God's kingdom here and now. The kingdom of God is a bold proclamation that is so much bigger than we think it is. But it doesn't take a long time to see the hearts of the people who are part of this community. It doesn't take us long to see who we are because we wear our hearts on our sleeves a lot of the time. We genuinely, as a community, want goodness in the world. And we want the kingdom of God to be right here and right now. And all of that is very good. But today's scripture, especially Jesus' behavior in this reading, this scripture challenges us. Because if you notice, immediately after Jesus heals the woman's young daughter, he goes and heals another person, another foreigner. And this time, he gives the man his hearing by proclaiming, Epitha, be opened. And the man hears for the very first time. 
perhaps the kingdom of God requires us to listen, listen more to people who are different than ourselves. Jesus models this by healing a deaf man after his own ears weren't quite tuned in. The kingdom of God is bigger than Jesus imagined, and it's bigger than we imagine too. So our takeaway challenges us to listen. Who are the people asking us to be in community with them? To see who among us are suffering. To act and discern where does the kingdom of God still need to be proclaimed? I'm going to level with you. Jesus' disciples were just as confused about every fine point of the kingdom of God as I bet many of you would say that you are. And that's okay. Because Jesus still promises to be with us even to the end of the age. And in our efforts and in our willingness to truly let our hearts imagine, we will most likely get more things right than wrong. And so we have to try. We affirm each Sunday that we believe that the kingdom of God is here and now and that our common humanity is much greater than the, than the constraints that society puts upon us. So it's now our turn to trust God, to open our hearts, and to immerse ourselves into this great mystery. The kingdom of God is bigger than we think. It's a place where differences don't divide us, they unite us. Even Jesus had a realization of this, and the outcome for him was new life, new healing, new wholeness, and a new presence in the world of God's love. May it also be so for us.